Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, I want to start off today by talking about something that is not going to get as much news as it should. Which is this? You'll hear about it. You know, maybe you you will have heard about it yesterday. Maybe you'll hear about it for a day or two, but then it'll go away, as most things do in the news cycle. But it's this: the congressional gold medal was given to the officers who defended the Capitol on January six, who put their lives on the line, including Officer Brian Sicknick, who was killed during the mob riot attack on our democracy in our Capitol building. And at the event was Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, among others. And as these heroes, because that's what they are, right? Like, yes, their job is to serve and protect, but I don't think that anybody thinks about the potential of a government overthrow when they become a Capitol Police officer. And when those officers, uh, including um, Brian Sicknick's family, were going up to shake the hands of members, they skipped over Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy. And it was a very public snub. We knew that, you know, this was going to be a clip that was going to go and be played you know, over and over again for a day or so. And I want to say bravo to those families, to those officers, because the audacity, first of all, that there were Republican members who didn't even vote, they didn't even want to have a ceremony, let alone give these heroic officers the Congressional Gold Medal. No, if you remember, 
Marjorie Taylor Greene, as the Republicans come in to take power on January 3rd of the House by a very slim, like five or six seat margin, wants an investigation into the treatment of the rioters. So she could give a fuck about the treatment of the officers on that day. You see, the Republicans are always so, you know, bold when they want to chant blue lives matter. But when those blue lives were actually put on the line to defend our democracy and to defend their pathetic lives, they can't be bothered with so much as a thank you, with so much as a vote on something that should be a no-brainer. Because regardless, on that day, on January 6, 2021, could have been a lot worse. And, you know, sometimes I think about it and not because I wish death or harm upon anyone, but I wonder if members of Congress had been murdered, if the vice president of the United States had been hung on a gallows in front of the Capitol building, if they had found his location or the location of Nancy Pelosi or the location of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and they were brutally murdered or beaten as Paul Pelosi was in his own home, what would the response be? Would it be just more of the same? Because we have all been sitting around wondering and waiting to figure out where is the bottom here for Republicans? Where do they draw the line? Well, they don't. There is no line for them to be drawn. Donald Trump, and this is but a blip in the way that the mainstream media is also covering this story. Donald Trump, a couple of days ago, gets on his broke-ass Twitter knockoff, Truth Social, And says that one, once again, is just continuing to spread the lie. This man is so stuck in three fucking years ago from now. Donald Trump is one of those old people who you would think, you know, his brain is deteriorating because nothing about the present or the future is actually in focus for Donald Trump. Everything, everything is in the past. Everything has to do with this last election, not the midterms, of course, but the last presidential election in 2020. Folks, we're entering into 2023 in a couple of weeks, and Donald Trump is still talking about the 2020 election. But on top of that, on his broke-ass Twitter, Truth Social, he decides to say that we need to abolish the Constitution altogether. This comes on the heels of him meeting with two anti-Semites and white supremacists, both fucking yay, Kanye West and Nick Fuentes, both believe in and spout the same series of bullshit. So there is, you know, one in the same there. But Donald Trump says we need to get rid of the Constitution. We need to get rid of the articles. We need to get, you know, when when there's been such an assault, I'm paraphrasing his bullshit, but when there is such an assault, like there was in 2020 when I should have been anointed king of America, We need to just get rid of everything. Well, there have been a few Republicans that have had tepid responses, as they do, to the assertion that the former president of the United States says that we need to do away with our Constitution. Now, here's the thing. 
Donald Trump has been telling us that he doesn't believe in the Constitution or the values of this country ever since he came down his fucking escalator and decided to run for the presidency and then, against all odds, actually win with all due help from the mainstream media. So the same way that they're not connecting the dots right now to tell the American people, like, hmm, this is what authoritarianism and dictatorships look like. This is danger. Alert, alert, alert. Because you see, if a Democrat would ever utter such a absolutely batshit crazy Statements such as we need to do away with the Constitution. Republicans would have a field day, but these people don't give a fuck about the rule of law. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about democracy. Right now, folks, the Supreme Court is deciding a slate, a slate of cases that have to do with the ability of businesses to continue to discriminate against the LGBTQ community on a hypothetical fucking case. Jonathan and I will talk about that next. You have Harper v. Moore v. Harper, which is coming up, which it would essentially upend all of our elections and the court would have no ability to intervene whatsoever and basically giving all power to the states to run away with what it was that Donald Trump wanted to happen in 2020, which is that these state electors get to decide elections as opposed to the people that actually go out and vote. So when we think that like, oh, we're winning, we have to understand that the battle for our democracy and the sanctity and the values of this nation actually rest in the hands of people who were not elected by you. They were chosen by a corrupt criminal twice impeached president and Mitch McConnell. Three justices sit primed and ready to continue the erosion of our democracy and majority of America is none the wiser. As I speak right now, the polls have yet to close in Georgia. We won't know the outcome of that race. And I pray to God that Reverend Warnock doesn't just win. I hope that he wins overwhelmingly, that the people of Georgia overwhelmingly reject a fucking idiot puppet as their potential U.S. Senator. Let me tell you something. Who you vote to represent you says a lot about who you are. And if the people of Georgia overwhelmingly decide to vote for a Herschel Walker, well, then we know everything we need to know about the people of Georgia, don't we? When I think about the slate of Supreme Court cases, when I think about Donald Trump wanting to do away with the Constitution, when I think about the Republican Party that has turned into a white supremacist cult, I mean, as we look to go into this new year, I don't really know if the people of this nation have the wherewithal to be as activated as they need to be. Now, look, the midterms went a lot differently than many had anticipated. But like I always say, do not pay attention to the fucking polls. Pay attention to the polls that matter, which is the one that people go inside and actually vote in. Because otherwise, people are just throwing shit up against the wall and guessing. Right? They're guessing about what is going to happen. But when I look at 2023, which will be roughly the start 
right, of the longest election cycle ever for the presidency, right? It, everything will be about who's going to run, who's announcing, when they're going to announce, what's happening with Donald Trump. Will we see indictments? You know, it's it's all very exhausting just to even think about it. But there's another thing that I'm thinking about on the heels of this award ceremony of these Capitol Police is that January 6, 2023 will mark the second anniversary of January 6, of the insurrection, of the attempt to overthrow our government. And aside from last week's seditious conspiracy verdict against Stuart Rhodes, the, one of the founders of the Oath Keepers, the subsequent trials that are happening with the rest of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, the architects, right? The Donald Trump, the Rudy Giuliani, the John Eastmans, right? The <laughs> Virginia Thomas, the, you know, the people, the Steve Bannons, the people who were in the war room in the Willard Hotel are still walking around free two years later. And our democracy, friends, is still hanging on by a thread. So I just wonder, first, we're not going to have a big marking and recognition of that day because the Republicans will control the House. So unless the Senate actually decides to do something, you know, again, they have the ability to erase history by not acknowledging it, by gaslighting the rest of us that like, oh, January 6th is just another day. It's not. It's the day that the world watch as Trumpers and MAGA stormed the Capitol building, broke in, killed police officers, while the president of the United States was in the White House throwing catch up at the walls because he was so angry that he couldn't be there. And he still, no indictments, was able to announce his second attempt at the presidency. Third, I guess. I don't know what this new year has in store politically, but I can tell you that personally, we all need to recommit to fighting for this country, to fighting for our democracy. Because unless the Republican Party is put down in a very clear and distinctive way, they're going to keep pushing, pushing for fascism, pushing for a dictatorship, pushing for authoritarianism until they have their way. We are the ones that we are waiting for. We are the patriots that we are looking for to defend this country. It is up to us and only us. Coming up next, dear friends, my conversation with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to speak with our in-house doctor, our good, good friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, I am always super pleased. Um, Jonathan, you know, the last time we spoke, uh, last week, we talked about the seriousness of the fact that we are becoming numb 
uh, to the issues of gun violence, um, to the issue issues of mass shootings. And during that time, uh, mayors across the country have actually come together and written a, a letter, uh, to the Senate, to, I believe also the president, uh, in, in saying that we need to take action. We need support. There's only so much that we can do in our own cities, in our own states in order to keep people safe. And do, don't people, don't our citizens have the right to be able to leave their homes, go to the grocery store, go to church, go to a synagogue, go to a mosque, go to school and be safe. So I wanted to get your thoughts, Jonathan, on this, this is not the first time. This is not the first time that a collection of mayors uh, have come together to call on the Senate, to call on the president to do something. So I, I just want to get your thoughts on on their letter, on this uh, collection of leaders, um, and whether or not there will be anything other than thank you so much for writing to us. Well, I, I think it's important, right? Moral authority of groups who are standing up against the kind of insanity that we see, it's it's super important. I mean, it reminds me also of doctors who have mobilized in a campaign called This Is My Lane and victims' families, the people I study from mass shootings, they they have mobilized also. And so um, you know, the the more the more um people are out there forming coalitions that can um not just write letters but also form effective voting blocks and mobilize during elections and things like that. Of course, that's all very important and brave and people are fighting upstream. I, I will say that, you know, the, I think the lesson of my research is that the power for gun uh, policy ultimately rests in judges. And so liberal America has just been far too slow to recognize that while we were out there doing marches in the streets after mass shootings and all these important great things. The other side was not making a ton of noise. They were just putting in judges who were bought and paid for by the NRA. And ultimately judges are, um, are the ones who are going to be setting a lot of gun policy. I mean, we see this with the Supreme court, but it's true throughout entire, our entire system. And it just took liberals way too long to figure this out. That's why, this Georgia election um, is mm. so important, right? Because what what does the Senate do? Among other things, they appoint judges. And I think that gun reform, if, if there's power from mayors, from communities, from survivors, from doctors, from everybody else, um, it gives the Senate the authority to then seat judges who will uphold even the most basic, reasonable, common sense uh, gun policies. But without that, we've just let Mitch McConnell um, have a kind of federalist society checklist of of judges who, I mean, some of these judges had never heard a case. Their only criteria for being a judge is that they get an A rating from the NRA. And so we need to reverse that trend at the judiciary. And so it's all cumulative. It's all summative. But I would say that without that Without that judiciary piece, uh, it becomes a protest move as opposed to a power move. Yeah, and that was my feeling and question was whether or not this was just a collective action that was going to be taken, but was anything going to come out of it? Was there going to be any real response, right? Because, I mean, I, I Jonathan, you've been doing this work longer than than most 
Um, and, and I don't know the question that the mayors posed what was, what is it going to take? How many more lives need to be lost? How many more, you know, funerals need to be attended to? How many more people, you know, have to look across their table and, you know, and, and, and lose family members. And I don't empathy. We always seek Jonathan. I think that in most of these battles to appeal to people's humanness, to appeal to their heart, to, we, we talk about changing hearts and minds. And what you've just, you know, iterated is that this isn't a hearts and minds issue anymore, right? Like this is, this is a legal issue. This is about who is going to be sitting on that bench that is going to make decisions that are about the betterment of this country, the safety of this country, and not, um, and, and and not about who has a hundred percent rating with the NRA. Do you think then again, that the messaging needs to shift in terms of what we're asking for? Because we keep saying, how will history remember these people? How will they, well, what, who cares? They rewrite history all the time. Yeah. So I'm like, what is, what is the appeal and the push here? I mean, I do kind of laugh sometimes about how will history remember these people because that implies people in the future are going to be any more reasonable than people today. Um, right. But I mean, look at now compared to the past. Like, you know, it's, I think we have pretty good proof right now that history doesn't matter all that much. It's kind of like who has the power to write the history. And so, I mean, there's another case not linked to guns right now. The um, imagine if gay people use your business case that was in front of the Supreme Court yesterday. Um, which just shows the power of having a radicalized judiciary. Now, I'm not suggesting liberals radicalize the judiciary, um, but it's I just am. Like, but, uh, I, I am. But, like. but I mean, I mean, it, but radicalized means just reeling it back from the madness that's mm -hmm. happened right now, mm -hmm. which is just incredible. Um, and so, I would just say, um, I, I would just say that. Uh, you know, we just, we have a lot of repair to do again. Th again, that's why having 51 senators is going to be so incredibly important because Mitch McConnell, well, you know, while everybody else is blah, 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 you know, he's, as we know, been running the table on all these judiciary appointments for so long and Trump appointed many, you know, three important Supreme court judges. And so what we're seeing right now is this really radical interpretation of the Supreme court and move to upend long non-held uh, civil liberties and rights and so i just think that i just think that getting this back to some kind of normal middle ground it, it's not it's about elections but elections leading to judges i think is going to be where this is and I, i'll tell you one thing about the supreme court case yesterday that i've been thinking mm -hmm. about this is the case of the colorado woman who didn't even have a web wedding business but if she did maybe some gay people would have maybe wanted her to use their services. Like it was totally a speculative case. There was no, there's no litigant. There's no aggrieved party here. The case that she imagined never happened. She actually didn't even have the business yet. And so she's just saying, I could be doing this with my business and gay people could come to me. And I imagine, and so she was, it's all speculation. And it's funny because I see this with guns a lot too, that a lot of gun policies They'll, they'll ask all these, like uh, Angela Stroud is a sociologist. She wrote this great book, um, Good Guys with Guns. And basically she went around Texas and asked the guys, why do you, why do you have a 
AR-15 around your back and three pistols on your waist, these white good guys with mm-hmm, guns, mm-hmm. and they would say, well, a gangbanger could come or a carjacker could come or I could pull up to the bodega, somebody said, and Mr. Baggy Pants, Saggy Pants rapper could come and whatever, like all these really racist racial stereotypes. And then she said, man, I guess see how you want a gun. Has that ever actually happened? And in every case, they were like, well, no, but it might. (laughs) So it was all about this projection, this kind of speculation that a minoritized or aggrieved or, um, you know, disadvantaged group might do something to me and take my privilege or wealth. And that's what kind of spread this fear of guns, you know, and we saw it even in New York, like a black guy could push you on the subway tracks and stuff like that. Well, maybe that happened one or two times. Um, but it was it's all this speculation that plays into implicit bias and stereotype. And it's just funny because I, I saw the same method being used in the Supreme Court case that this woman really was not aggrieved in any way. There was no case, no gay people had ever come to her business, which she didn't even have yet. So she was just speculating like, oh, maybe some gay people could come to me and therefore whatever. It reminded me so much of these gun cases. And it's just another example. I mean, in a, in a balanced judiciary, this stuff would not be seeing the light of day. It's completely undemocratic. Right, because, like, there's, can, because there's no, there's no, like, there's no plate, like, th- there's yeah. no case. Like, there's I no can, case. Like, giraffes are protected by the Endangered Species Act. But if a giraffe wants to come take my college class, why don't I start a lawsuit now just in case a giraffe comes to take my class? Like this shit's never going to happen. And so it, and like, it's not like this woman was going to have a lot of gay clients. I don't think if she ever did open her business. And so we're just in, we're in the, we're in the kind of, we're in, we're in, we're in la la land, right? We're now. in speculative law where people are just sitting around in their free time. I mean, I had, I had a tweet yesterday that I said in psychiatry, when you imagine gay people are going to do things to you. We call that projection, right? It has actually something to do with you, not with actually the world. Um, and, and so it, we're in the world of kind of speculative judiciary activism right now, which is a pretty dangerous place to be. And so again, I just think it's all the more important for guns, for everything else. Guns are part of the same agenda that we that we turn this turn the ship around as quickly as we possibly can. And and that means rebalancing the judiciary and particularly the Supreme Court. Jonathan, if somebody is sitting around imagining nonsense, right? Whether it is the, the guys with six guns around their belt or this woman who's imagining all these gay people whose money apparently she does not want because that makes sense. And she doesn't um, even have the. She didn't even and have she the doesn't, business. She yet. doesn't even have the business. Um, and gay people were going to make better websites than her anyway. <laughs> like, how do you intersect? How do you not intersect? How do you inject reality? You or do you not? System. No, that's the thing. Is like there are there are crackpot opinions all the time. It's just more like are they validated? And the minute you have judges who are validating these crackpot things, I mean that's the issue. Is we've had. You know, we got 300 years of crackpots in this country, but the question is, are these minority positions or are these mainstream positions? And and having them validated by the Supreme Court makes this kind of projected implicit bias nonsense into, into an acceptable mode of lawmaking. And so, again, that's the issue is 
I, I don't know. I just, you know, you it's funny because you and I have been talking about this for like years mm-hmm. now that the, that the Democrats were not did not do what the Republicans did, which is the minute somebody won an election, come in with a slate of like judges yeah. that are going to uphold your position. And so I feel like it's it's kind of being figured out now, but it's certainly taken a pretty extreme turn of events to have that happen. You know, do you think, Jonathan, that. If the Supreme Court continues to rule in the way that it's been ruling, right, with the Dobbs decision overturned, we have more v. Harper coming, we have, you know, voting rights case, that's the voting rights case, we have, you know, affirmative action, we have, all of these cases are coming down the slate for the Supreme Court, which is why Mitch and, McConnell I mean, and Donald the, the, Trump- The voting rights one is going to be the, big, the yeah, biggest, the, so it's, absolutely. Yeah, it's the biggest one. Um do you think that Americans have it in them to do what the women and youth in Iran are doing? Like if everything is taken away, which is the goal of the Republican Party, is to delegit- delegitimize every bit of equity that has been earned and fought for over the past six decades if those things are all overturned, ripped away, precedent no longer matters, the Supreme Court is completely weaponized. From your evaluation as a doctor, do you think that we have the capacity to do well, what the I, people in Iran are doing? I will say, I mean, our country's divided, right? But I mean, look what happened. Like Dobbs was the worst trauma people could have imagined. And there were protests for quite a long time and, and really energized protests that were on par with any protests anywhere. But what's where are the protests right now, right? And so the lesson of how the conservatives got here is that they had a 50-year campaign of starting at local school boards and then local judgeships and whatever. It was a 50-year campaign and they literally never went home. And I would say that the anger, the passion, the dedication are all very real. And look what's happening with voting now in Georgia. Like it's, it's incredible. So I hope, I hope we do. And I think we do, but I would also say that the lesson of the conservative movement is that it took them 50 years and a national strategy and starting at the grassroots level and building up slowly. And so I think the frustration for me with the kind of the liberal position is it's kind of like, I'm thinking about this thing right now. I want it to change right now. We need to expand the Supreme court right now. Um, but not seeing the kind of long game and not that we have to replicate the long game, but the other side certainly got in their position with, with a long game. And so I think that's, that's really the message is beyond any immediate protests. I just don't know if America is the kind of place where those kind of protests can be sustained over time in a way that they are in Iran in a way that, I mean, the issue in Iran is like the entire system was going to collapse. They had to make some changes. We'll see what happened. But I don't know. Our country is so divided right now. I don't know what what the what what the, the effect of these kind of protests would be. But I would also say that again, it's not an it's not an immediate thing, unfortunately, which is frustrating for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I just think that if your rights are being taken away one by one by one, at some point you have to recognize that voting alone isn't going to be the answer, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we're, we we just came through this hotly contested midterm election, the red wave that was projected to come never happened. It was more of a drip, if anything. And 
we're still divided. Um, the Congress is, the House is within five seats, right? Uh, the Senate is going to be within, hopefully, in, in two, in, within two seats. Um, I just don't know about the sustained power of the people, I yeah, guess. And, and again, it's it's just that the problems we're facing are not going to get changed by just protests, right? You need, you need a long strategy for judiciary power and other kinds of power. So it's not just protests that we're facing. Yeah. Well, as always, Dr. Jonathan Metzel, we will come back to you to pick this conversation up and see, you know, where the power of the people is going to lie. What is going to be the spark? What is going to be the sustainer uh, in order to continue the fight for justice? I mean, there's um, a lot as- of... A lot of li- on the line in the Senate election, so that's one very good start. You know, hopefully that goes the right way. So, here's hoping. Appreciate <laughs> you, Jonathan, as always. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people. Power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Hi there. I'm Bob Pittman, chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk, can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.